leading us. Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church once again. Uh, we are right in the middle of a message series called It's a Fight. And we have been, for the last few weeks, looking at the, the great spiritual war that we find ourselves in the midst of. Um, and it's not one that we often consider. Certainly not one that we are able to easily identify in the, in the physical realm. Uh, although, if we pay attention, we can actually spot some things here and there. But we've been looking for the last few weeks at just what the Scripture says about the warfare that we're engaged in if we follow Christ. So if you have already decided to follow Christ, then you find yourself battling against, because you're trying to please God and live for Him, now you find yourself at war with some enemies. And so if you've not yet decided to follow Christ, um, then uh, really I think what I would encourage you to do is just just to listen in and to try to understand better uh, what the Christian life is about, also what the the battle that you face if you were to choose to follow Christ. And so um, the last three weeks' worth of messages are on our website, so you can kind of check out where where we've been uh, talking about. But this morning we're looking at the third enemy. We've talked already about the enemy of the flesh, which is the old sinful nature. It's the old part of me that, that still resides in me, even after I've come to Christ, that still leads me towards doing things that are out of bounds for a Christ follower. That's the flesh. That's the old, um, the old me. And so we talked about that. It's one of our enemies. The enemy of the world is what we looked at as well, and how that's the whole current of our culture, the media, the entertainment industry, just the pull of politics, education, all sorts of things that it's like stepping into the ocean, playing around, surfing, bodyboarding, and, and not realizing that you've got pulled up the beach like two or three lifeguard towers. That's kind of how our lives are. We're in the midst of a world that's pulling hard towards a totally different set of priorities and values. And if we don't realize it, or we don't often realize it, and we just find ourselves swept down by culture, and all of a sudden our lives are built on something that we would say really doesn't reflect what God would want us to build our lives on. So that's what we've been looking at. This enemy that we're looking at this morning is the devil. And so I had planned on just dealing with this and then ending the series today, but as I studied and really tried to put things together for today, I realized it was just far too much to cover um, in, in a single message. And so I'm going to take our time going through this portion as we look at the enemy of, of the devil. There's a saying that goes, the devil is in the details. It's a saying that, that people use, that the devil's in the details. Here's the idea. We may have a dream or a plan or some major attention. We start setting our lives out to accomplish something, and all of a sudden we start trying to put plans into action, and then all of a sudden problems crop up. And this is certainly true in, in marriage. You, you make a decision to commit yourself to someone, you have hopes, dreams, and then all of a sudden problems start cropping up in your marriage. And you're like, what's going on here? What's, what's behind this in our careers? We find this in parenting. Um, certainly find that in, it, if, you, if you start trying to minister to other people. You set out, you're trying to do something for God's kingdom to advance His purposes, and all of a sudden, things start getting messed up. And the truth is, someone is messing with us. We oftentimes get some help in the problems that we're facing. And it, the truth is, we have a spiritual enemy who is trying to take us down. He does not want us to enjoy um, the life that... God would want us to live. He doesn't want us to experience God's blessing, God's favor. He wants to, 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 to thwart God's plans. He wants to um, take us down. 
He wants to limit our effectiveness. And he has certain schemes and a method that he will use in order to attack. Um, There is an added dimension, what we find out, to our struggles that we don't naturally consider. And that is because the devil is actually scheming against us. You can follow this along in your listening guide. But the enemy, the devil, he is scheming against us, we find out in the Bible. We read this in Ephesians chapter 6. This is the, uh, at the end of Paul, church planter, he's, he's planted this church. He's writing this letter back to them. He's at this point imprisoned in Rome. And he's writing this letter back to this church. And this is one of the last sections of his letter. He deals with the spiritual war that we're engaged in. Usually if I'm going to write something or if I'm going to communicate something, that the end points are major things I want people not to miss. We do that if we write a letter or an email. You know, I want to put the important thing at the end. If there's an action step, like I need a reply, hey, would you reply to this message? You put that at the bottom. You don't want it lost in the middle. Well, this is what we find at the end of his letter, right before he gives some final greetings. He talks about the spiritual war. Let's look at the passage. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, this is written to the church. This is written to Christ's followers. Um, and he starts describing a very up-close battle. Look at where it goes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, mankind in a sense. That's not where the real struggle is. But it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Here's some things we learn from this passage. First, the enemy is described here as the devil. He's identified as the devil. The word devil, it means accuser. His name is Satan. Satan is, it means adversary, and he is the enemy. He is the enemy of Christ's followers. He's God's enemy. And he, since we're walking with God, trying to please God, we've set our lives to, to please Him, then He comes against us. And He, we've talked briefly about Him three weeks ago. He is a spirit being who led in a rebellion in the heavenlies and was able to divide. Um, and, and along with this hierarchy of demons that he now leads, um, he led this rebellion and he has been deceiving ever since. And so that happened sometime after the creation, after God said it was all good, sometime after he made even man, and there was this rebellion in the, in the heavenly realms. And then um, he was given freedom to, well, he was cast out of heaven. And he tempted, deceived, and Adam, Eve fell. We looked at that a few weeks back. But um, this war has been going on ever since. And he is the chief over a hierarchy of spiritual beings that follow him. He works through demons to carry out his plans against us. He's very real, he's, he's skillful, he's cunning. And so one of the things we see in this passage, or the previous, if you want to bring up the previous verse, is the enemy is, he's scheming. We're told, you know, put on the full armor of God so we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. He intends to scheme against us, meaning he intends to deceive us, he wants to trick us. And these schemes, the word scheme there in the, in the original language, it's where we get our word methods. So he has methods that he uses to to take us down. They're tricky methods. They have been methods that have been effective for thousands of years for people. And so these are very important methods to understand um, as we're battling in this fight. We're in a struggle is another thing we, we realize. Verse 12 talks about 
Our struggle, we are in a struggle, but it's not against who we think it's against. The, the word for struggle is a word that's used to describe a wrestling match that's close at hand. This is hand-to-hand combat. Um, you know, you don't wrestle from far away by taunting each other and, hey, no, you get up close and personal. You're grappling, you're fighting, you're, you're, you're countering, you know, you're defending, you're shooting, you're striking, you're doing all of these different things in a, in a wrestling match against your opponent. And you realize that this, this is not a guy that wants to go to lunch afterwards. This is an enemy. I'm fighting against him. And it's, it, it is a close-in battle. This is the idea of the, the word struggle there. It's close in. We want to separate this struggle, though, in our world, especially in America. We think, ah, this is kind of a problem way out there in other parts of the world I've heard about or I've read about in the Scripture. But we tend to think it's maybe, maybe there's a battle, but it's not close at hand. So we, you know, we would think, well, we could just send in a drone to deliver a bomb to blow up this enemy. But the problem is we can't do that. There's this close intense battle. So we have to learn how to fight from close in. This passage itself doesn't overtly say it, but the battleground that the enemy really is after is is the heart. The enemy starts trying to mess with our heart. Tries to and when when I say heart, I don't mean our American view of heart, which is that ooey gooey, emotional, touchy feely, romantic side of us, if you have one of those. It's it's the the scripture when it refers to the heart, it really is referring to the guidance control center of our lives. It's that area where we make decisions from, it determines all that we say, all that we do. That's the heart, according to the scriptures, the guidance control center. And so it makes sense that the enemy he would go after headquarters. He goes after the heart. He goes after that's the battleground for him. He wants to direct. So the enemy he's looking for a place where he can have a base of operations in our life, and from there, take us down. The scripture says in Ephesians 4, 26-27, it's not on the screen, but in a passage it's talking about interpersonal relationships, and it's talking about dealing with our anger. There's a verse that says, In your anger do not sin. We all get angry. We're tempted to, to blow past anger and actually sin, whether that's hurt, or whether that's form a grudge, get bitter, Gossip, whatever the things might be. In your anger, do not sin. Anger is a normal, natural emotion. But to cross that line over to sin is, he says, hey, you don't want to do that. And then he says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Meaning, let the sunset be a trigger to clear up your relationships. It's really important to do this. And the reason why, verse 27, and do not give the devil a foothold. Literally, the word foothold, it means place. Don't give the devil a place. Now, this is written to Christians. This is written to people who have already decided to follow Christ. And yet Paul feels um, prompted to write to them and say, hey, anger, unresolved anger, is really like you're, you're, letting, you're leaving the door open, in a sense, to give the enemy a base of operations in your life. Oftentimes we really think, uh, you know, I've committed my life to Christ. And we, t- we typically think, and this has seeped its way into the American church, is that, is, is that the, the enemy, Satan, you know, yeah, he's real, kind of, can't see him, but now I'm Jesus's and so I don't have to worry about him. So I can live my life without that concern. 
Maybe before I came to Christ, yeah, I could see that I was, I was kind of in his kingdom, but now I've been transferred. That's what the scripture teaches. You have been transferred to the kingdom of God, out of the kingdom of darkness. And we looked at that a few weeks ago. Um, but this is still passages talking about close hand-to-hand combat, things that we're, we're facing on a very real level for the church. And so don't dismiss it in thinking, well, I've got this force field over me, and I, I, and just because I'm Christ, I don't have to worry about this area. The truth is, Christ, He is our victor. I mean, He has won the battle. At the cross, the claim that, that the enemy had on our lives is broken. And so, if you know Christ personally, you've yielded your life to Him, the enemy has no claim on your soul. You're going to spend eternity with the Lord in heaven. But the life that you live right now is where the enemy wants to go after. He wants to destroy your witness. He wants to destroy your effectiveness. He wants to ruin your marriage. He'd like to kill your kids. These are, things, these are reasons why we pray. He'd like to, to kill you. He'd like to, he'd like to ruin your life. This is our enemy. We, we can't think in terms of... He's just a, a, a guy that I don't think about. He's our enemy. And so I think the truth of the matter is when you study what the Scripture says, First Peter talks, calls the enemy, you know, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour. Again, the, the reasons why we read the Scripture is to have the right framework of, of what we're really dealing with in this life. And I don't say all those things to freak you out. I say all those things because that's what the Bible teaches, is that we are at war with a very, very tricky spirit being who has a network, a hierarchy of spirit beings that he works through to block us, to throw us off, to distract us. Now, there is great protection, and I want to look at what that protection is. But don't for a second put your guard down, back into the corner, and think, ah, this is I'm off limits. Because the scripture would really challenge that thinking. So faith or reliance on God is the key to the victory. So first thing is our strength is found in the Lord. That's what we find in verse 10. Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Meaning, don't put your strength in yourself. If you want to win the battles, we need to fight with God's strength. We need to fight with the strength that he provides or we will not win the battles. We will not win the the close hand-to-hand battles. And for your information, we don't have to go looking for a fight. The, ba- the fight comes to us. If you've chosen to follow Christ, you have a very, you have a very cunning enemy who, who, who comes against you. You will experience some opposition. We don't have to go looking. Because also, God has given us protective gear against his schemes. That's what we learn about in verse 11. He's given us a certain amount of, of or spiritual resources to use, protective gear. We call it the armor of God. We're told, put on the full arm of God so you can take your stand against the, the devil's schemes. We need to understand the armor that he's provided. Then we need to put on the armor. It does no good if I'm in battle and I have armor available to me and I'm about to run to the battlefield. It does no good for me to leave my armor on the, on the bed and then just run out there with my fists if I've left a sword, a helmet, all these different pieces that Paul's about to describe. We need to learn what the different pieces of armor are because these armors help us against the specific schemes of the enemy. So the armor is connected to the scheme or the method that he uses against us. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the armor. Each piece of armor, probably tackle... Today, we're going to tackle the belt of truth, but we're going to look at the different ones. The, the intelligent corps in the army is the group that is 
is critical to winning the battles. They're the, they're the group that is trying to understand who the enemy is, what they're doing, how they're going to fight. They try to understand the tactics of the enemy. And so we can understand the tactics of the enemy by looking at the pieces of armor. So this piece of armor that we're going to look at, which is really the belt of truth, gives us a clear idea of one of the schemes that the enemy employs against us. Verse 12, though, it tells us the battle is spiritual. It's not a physical battle that we're primarily fighting. It says our struggle is not against physical, flesh and blood. It's against the rulers. Paul directs our attention to something beyond the physical realm. We tend to deal with things from a a purely natural angle. We see the enemy sometimes as a downturn in the economy. The economy goes bad, man. The devil did that. Or, Or that is the devil. The economy, or we we might consider people, and we might might start turning our our fight to to the people in our lives, thinking that they're really the enemy. But the truth is, the real enemy is the one we can't see. He's behind the hassles. And he tries to supercharge our interaction with people, and use difficulty in our lives to really slow us down, to knock us down. The core problem in our most of our struggles are spiritual. They're not just physical. We tend to, again, we tend to think physical, but there's another dimension that has tremendous impact on our daily lives. And when you try to grow spiritually, whenever you decide, I'm going to grow, I'm going to help accomplish God's purposes, if you've just decided to become a Christian, you're going to start trying to walk with Him, you should experience spiritual opposition. That that will increase. If you're, if you're, if you're trying to share your faith with someone, you should expect spiritual opposition because... That's something, that's spiritual activity that God loves. That's, that's what he wants you to give your life to. And yet the enemy, he goes after that. We must put the armor on is something that we must put it to use. Again, it's our responsibility. God doesn't just do this. You don't just wake up every morning girded with all this armor. And you actually have to put it on. We actually, it's a choice to, and it's a responsibility. And so Paul says in verse 13, therefore, Put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Here's the goal. To put on the armor of God so that when you come under attack, you remain standing and you keep contributing to advance God's kingdom. That's God's goal. He wants us to be able to keep advancing His kingdom. We do no good for God if we're fallen on the ground. If the enemy can can knock us down and get us to forget what's important to God. You know, if we're not standing, then, then, then he's, he's winning that battle. If he can distract us, if he can distort things, if he can twist things, he'll do that. Verse 14, it reads this. It says, stand firm then. Again, stand. The goal is to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So Paul, he's, he's in a prison at this point. Very likely been looking at Roman soldiers and maybe a Roman soldier that he's been chained to. And he's writing and he's using the armor pieces of this Roman soldier to talk to this church that he had helped establish. And so he's, he's writing things. And he's, he's talking about the armor in terms of physical armor. So he says the belt of truth is one. But it's, again, all of these pieces of armor do us no good if we, if we don't put them on, if we don't apply them to our lives. The reason why I wanted to slow down was because I wanted to help you understand how practical each, each piece of armor is and how to actually put, you know, get that into our daily lives. Verse 13, we learn this. Some days will be harder than others. 
It says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. There's this evil day Paul's referring to. Some days are just going to be more difficult, harder than others. We have evil days that are unusually hard and difficult. Evil days are when the enemy, he mounts a violent spiritual assault against the Christian. It's on those days when we are under tremendous, under tremendous pressure, under tremendous str- just strain. And it may be that for you, that is Sunday morning. What I found is that Sunday morning tends to be a very, very difficult day for those who want to follow Christ. You set out to go to church to learn, to be encouraged, or whatever you're trying to, to accomplish. It's kind of like, I'm trying to do this good thing, and then on the way to church, you get in an argument with your spouse. And you're like, where did that come from? We're trying to do something good, and then all this tension may start coming. Or the kids are just, they're, you know, I could see some smiles around the room because because you know exactly what I'm talking about. The kids start acting up, or there's just, or you get some horrible news that comes up that serves as a major distraction. That's part of the battle. There's these times where the enemy just wants to ramp up the pressure in our life in order to, to, to get us to, to sit down, to get out of the fight, to not keep advancing, to distract us for what God wants us to set out to do each day. All kinds of things can go wrong on Sunday mornings. Here, um, you know, we set up and tear down. We set up and tear down every week. All this stuff, apart from the chairs, aren't in here. And so we, we, you know, there's a team as a church. We put this, you know, we, we build it together. It's kind of like the field of dreams. Build it and they will come. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, trailer rolls up. All this stuff starts happening. We do the same thing. And you would think, since we do the same thing, week in, week out, week in, week out, that everything would just work like clockwork. You know, you would think that, you know, you plug this in here and it works. But it doesn't seem to work that way. Oftentimes, and it's interesting how all of our major Sunday morning challenges that we face tend to happen on major important spiritual days for our church. Easter, bigger outreach days where we're inviting lots of guests. On those days, we do the same things we do every other Sunday, and all of a sudden, the power won't come on. <laughs> or this certain piece of equipment just will not work, and we're like, you know, everyone's like, it's really not that complicated. You plug it in the wall. There's power on this piece of equipment. There's no power on this piece of equipment. What's, what's wrong? And so sometimes there's this, it just seems weird for us to consider there may be a spiritual component to the physical realm that we're living in. And so sometimes we'll say, hey, has anybody prayed? And we'll think, come on, you think I'm, you think I'm moron? You think I'm dumb? You think I know how to plug in the equipment in the right way? Well, no, let's pray. There have, been, there have been a handful of times on major days where we'll pray over a piece of equipment. And as we're praying, and Scott can attest to this, the power comes on. And we'll say, hey, what, what happened? Did someone flip the switch? And, no. <laughs> power comes on. You see, the enemy, I don't know how he's able to work, but there's all sorts of things we cannot see that he works in. When you try to serve God, when you, when you try to set out to, to share with people, expect opposition. In the most important areas of your life, expect opposition. In your marriage, in your parenting, just expect opposition from the enemy. In major days, spiritual milestones, if you decide to follow Christ, and then you plan to get baptized, identify yourself as a Christian, expect opposition on it. I don't know how many people have planned to get baptized, and then something comes up. They get distracted, and then we don't see them for 
a year. And you're like, wow, that the day of evil comes up. Also, we should be aware of our enemy's schemes. We should be aware of what he does. We can see by looking at this piece of armor, one of the ways that he attacks. So verse 14 reads, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt of truth is given to battle the enemy's scheme of confusion and doubt. This is one of the ways he works is confusing us, getting us to doubt, getting things foggy, taking the clarity away from things, muddying our minds with all sorts of ideas so that we can't focus on what he really wants. The belt of truth is is what God gives us, truth, to have a standard, to, to, to clear up what's right and true. There's a great book about the schemes of the, about the schemes of the enemy. It's the book is called Screw Tape Letters, and I have the book, but I've been listening to the audio book just to. It's a it's an interesting way to go back through, and it's a set of letters. The book Screw Tape Letters, written by C.S. Lewis, it's a set of letters written from a senior demon who is training a junior demon. So the senior demon, his name is Screw Tape, and his junior demon is Wormwood, and it's written. You know, basically about this senior demon talking to a junior demon about how to keep a person from doing what God really wants. And it's a really interesting book to read. And if, if you, you have to read it with spiritual eyes and you have to read it understanding there's some things going beyond, there's things going beyond just the physical. And so some people read it and they totally miss what it's trying to say. But Screwtape, he encourages his, his protege, Wormwood, to avoid arguing with this person and focus on jargon and propaganda. Just give, throw out all sorts of ideas so that he can be confused. And so there's a quote. It's not up on the screen. I'm just going to read it. It says, Screw Tape says to Wormwood, Your man has been accustomed ever since he was a boy to having a dozen incompatible philosophies dancing about together in his head. Jargon, he says, not argument. Jargon is your best ally in keeping him from the church. Jargon. There's lots of words, lots of ideas. Later in the letter, he says this. He says, do remember that you are there to fuddle him. To fuddle him. See, fuddle means to confuse. That's what the enemy aims to do. He aims to confuse us. We set our hearts to do what God wants, and then the enemy works to confuse us. Many of you, you you come to a point where you're almost ready to follow Christ, but then something comes up, and it gets foggy. That decision gets foggy. You may even have intended at one point to decide, you know, I'm ready to follow Christ. But then something happens. Some thought enters your mind. All sorts of new information comes. And all of a sudden, you don't, you don't know what to do. And so you back off the line that you had decided to cross that line of faith. But this is even how he will work in the life of a Christ follower, to throw confusion away. So what the belt does is the belt is very important because it's the belt of truth. It establishes what is true. It establishes a standard. The belt holds all of the armor in place for a soldier. Without the belt, you have no place to hang your sword. The belt would also protect an important frontal area for the soldier. And so there would be pieces of metal hanging from the belt to protect them as well. And very, very foolish thing to take off your belt. To not have a place to hold your sword. To just not have a place to hang other parts of your armor. We know this is true because if you look at cops these days, you know they have this huge utility belt and hanging on that belt is all sorts of things that you want to be able to play with. Like, I wish I had one of those. But 
It's the belt. That's where everything, that the belt of truth is what holds all things in place. The belt of truth. You may think, that doesn't seem like a, a piece of armor. What is he going to do? Take it off and hit something with it? No, it, the belt of truth, establishing what is true and not allowing confusion or in your mind to run away with the wrong thoughts, it keeps things in place. It establishes a standard. So God's truth, it's the protection against the schemes of confusion. The enemy knows that if he can get us just to cave in on truth, allowing small lies, deceptions to seep into our minds, or angry thoughts or hurts, you know, untruths about God, untruths about other people, if we can just allow those things to, to, to lodge themselves into our hearts and minds, again, that can eventually knock us down, take us out of the battle. So to use the belt of truth is to just keep... If you want to write this out, I think it'd be good. To use the belt of truth is to keep checking the truth of what I think, what I do, and what I say. To use the belt of truth is to keep checking the truth of what I think, what I do, and what I say. That's how you use the belt of truth. Just keep checking. Because we cannot just let our minds go. We need to keep reigning in our thoughts, reigning in our focus, back to the truth. This is how we stand our ground when we're confused. We take it back to the truth. For me, the scripture is really critical for the battle. The Bible is where I go looking for truth. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I feel like I'm in the middle of a foggy forest. And there's gloom. And, I, and I'm just having a hard time with my focus or even getting going. This is not what God wants. God doesn't want me to remain in the fog. And so what the scripture does, as I put on the belt of truth, as I rein in my thoughts of what I don't, you want to do, or all the thoughts of what I could do with my day, as, as I go to the Scripture, I'm able to read the truth of the Scripture. I'm able to review things I've memorized. And it, it brings my mind around what God says is real and true. It brings me out of the fog. When I can feel the tug to go the wrong way, or let my anger turn, or disappointment to fester, you know, the belt of truth is really the key to victory. It's important that I keep checking the truth of what my mind may be you know, throwing around. First thing, though, capture your thoughts. Capture those thoughts that go running through your mind. Screen the thoughts and get a hold of the thoughts. Second Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. Take a look at what Paul writes. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, the weapons we use have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, we, we capture every thought. We make it obedient to Christ. Not every thought that you have originates from you. And so, Satan and his demonic help, they can introduce lies that we can buy into. Now they become our own. But not every thought that I have comes from me. Sometimes I'm like, where did that come from? And you, I know you've had those... Those moments, like you're trying to, to, to stay on track with God, and all of a sudden this thought comes out of, like, where did that come from? Oftentimes those thoughts come up to confuse us. Oftentimes they don't sound that wrong. They just feel so justified. Um, thoughts of entitlement come up. Or one thought, one thought that, that you may deal with, I know I've had to deal with, is the thought of, I can't help myself. If I feel, if I feel compelled towards something, I can't help myself. The belt of truth, God's truth reminds me, things that I've internalized reminds me that, that God can give me the help in the moment. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 
No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I, I can. He can help me. I can't help myself, but He can help me. I have to rein in my thoughts of, I can't help myself, or it's not fair, or I'm the only one who's going through this, or those are enemy thoughts that, that come in, that if I'll buy into, I start building a life on the wrong thinking. And I, and I take myself out of the fight. You can't literally blow up your thoughts. You can't blow up a thought. But what you can do is you can redirect your mind to focus on God's truth. You have to get into the truth for yourself. You have to begin to read it, take it in. But it's crucial that we take in the Bible and allow it to rewire our minds, renew our minds. That impacts us. Because when we give in to wrong thoughts that are not rooted in what God says, you know, the, the battleground, we start, we start giving ground The direction of our life, the things we say, the things we do, start being built off of that. So we we need to first identify the thoughts and then pray for help and ask God, help me apply your truth right now. Help me to engage with what you've said is true already. Second thing, we'll wrap up with this, is don't cave to your emotions. If the enemy's tactic that we're talking about this morning is confusion, don't cave to your emotions. The enemy, he'll try to twist us up inside. Attacking the guidance system, we need to use the belt to clear up the confusion. Depression is one thing that, that people deal with, and it can paralyze us. And, and often when we're depressed, when we're really discouraged, we don't even want to take a step forward. And so oftentimes if you'll, just, if you'll do something and take a step forward and get moving, you can start moving towards the truth once again. Oftentimes for me, for example, Saturday mornings or evenings when I start reviewing what I'm planning to speak on and what I had planned to speak on all week and what I've been studying I'll pull it out and I'll look at it and, and the thought will come up to my mind. What are you thinking? What does that have to do with anything? And these thoughts will come up and I'm like, here I'm trying to study what I'm planning to preach on. And the thought, that's not going to be a help to anybody. I'm like, where did that come from? Or, man, that's stupid. Or, And so what I'll have to do is I'll have to do something. I'll have to actually read the passages. And I'll have to start internalizing the texts and remembering, God, this is true. And then, the, the fog gets cleared up. And then, regardless of how I feel about sharing what, what I plan to share, I'm able to say, well, this is God's truth. And I'll stand on that authority of what He has said. But often, often times in my life, the confusion comes up. I need to call the truth into action. I need to bring it to my mind. A great verse to clear the confusion is Lamentations 3, verse 21 through 24. Writer writes, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. You know, when, when our emotions get pulled in the wrong direction, just to remind ourselves, who is faithful? Who is faithful? I want to invite the band to come up and the ushers to go ahead and prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And if you want to take out the connection card, I want to encourage you for a moment to stop for a second and to think about what you're going to take away from this message. Stop and think about maybe one thing you really need to apply to your life this morning. Take a look at what we've, what we've looked at. If there's something that you feel like, you know, I really need to talk to someone about this, or I really need to, to, to consider that this may be the source of some of my, some of my thoughts, some of my emotions, some of the, but I've been 
where I've been operating from. Whenever we apply the Bible, our understanding starts to grow. So I want to encourage you to take a step. Here's four next steps you could consider taking. Memorize Ephesians 6.11, just reminding ourselves to put on the armor. Put on the armor. Read six, uh, Ephesians 6.10-18. This is the whole passage. If you want to read this, every day this week, I think what it will do is it will help you get your mind around the battle that is close at hand. And so as we're looking at this for the next few weeks, you'll be a little more prepared to discuss it. But then also I think it's just something to mull on, to pray through, to consider how to practically, what am I supposed to do with this? Third, pray every day asking God to strengthen you for the fight. These may be brand new thoughts for you to consider, so start praying through it. And then last, identify one current battle. Like if there's something confusing right now, that you feel like I'm, you're just in the fog in a certain area, I would just encourage you, identify what's the fog hovering around. What area of your life is the fog hovering around? And then apply God's truth. If we can pray for you, we'd love to pray for you. Myself and some of the other staff will be at the welcome table. So if you want to pray with someone, we'd be happy, love to pray with you and encourage you to press on. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that in Jesus we have been given fresh start in life we've been we've received the resources of a relationship with you you put your Holy Spirit within us Lord so that we can respond to you so we can be empowered by you to live this life Lord help us though not to forget that there's a great spiritual war going on. Help us not to fall asleep in the battle. Help us not to back off of the fight even. Help us to understand how to, how to live, how to practically apply these different pieces of armor. So for us this week, Lord, I pray against confusion. Lord, if there's confusion right now that is just creating problems in our church and our people, Lord, I pray against that right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I pray you grant victory to those who would ask you for it. And to those who would move towards your truth, God, I pray you you grant victory, Lord, to them in the daily battles that we're fighting. Lord, we thank you for the resources that you have provided, Lord. Lord, we're grateful for this opportunity to relate to you. Lord, help us to be a part of those people who for centuries have been advancing your kingdom. And we recognize that that means there will be opposition. So Lord, help us not to give in to fear, confusion, doubt. But Lord, help us to step forward in courage and to keep taking steps forward, trusting you along the way. For those that have not yet yielded their lives to you, I pray for them right now, God, that you would lead them to that point and really draw their hearts. Create in them a desire to really know you and to really do life your way, to surrender their lives to you. We pray for them, God. We love you. We thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.